Welcome to Lights, Camera, Reaction, a movie podcast where the films we discuss have two things in common. One, they are at least 10 years old. And two, someone somewhere thinks the film is worthy of note. In this episode, we discuss the early 2000s post-apocalyptic horror film, 28 Days Later. The film stars Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Brendan Gleeson, Megan Burns, and Christopher Eccleston. It was written by Alex Garland and directed by Danny Boyle. The film follows Jim, a young man who wakes up from a coma 28 days after a zombie apocalypse has ended life as we know it. He wanders around and abandons London and eventually finds other survivors, and together they seek a safe haven they can call home. Okay, so 28 days later. Was it film? It's a film. What What was the year on this one? Uh, 2001? Really? 2002. Okay, I had it picked for, like, early 90s. Early 90s? It's filmed that way, where it looks a lot older. Mm. Well, they shot it on mini-DV, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You can tell it was almost gorilla shot. It's, like, the nicest DV cameras you could get in 2001, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is not saying... I mean, comparatively, it's not Especially, like... That's that's the whole whole point of it. It's supposed to look documentary-ish and kind of video-y. Because it's the idea is if you shoot something that looks video-y, people will immediately ascribe more realism to it. Sure. Mm. Because it's the whole found footage... Blair Witch thing. Yeah, that is... Because Blair Witch was 99, so this would have been... Right after. In that heyday of found right. footage but it's, right. it's a little it's not quite the same as like the fake documentary of yeah. Blair Witch no, it's yeah. sort of like hey we're gonna use the techniques of found footage but we're, it's not a found no, footage not like the techniques but we're, like, we're gonna use the aesthetics there we go. Mm-hmm. to kind of convey like a feeling but this film doesn't feel like a documentary it's no. filmed no. like a movie it yeah. just has that kind of it, look it has like, some it looks kind of really cool camera work in there too there's some oh, yeah. weird shots where I'm just like wait what are they oh okay that's cool like that shot where they have the uh, are you talking about the panning it was over like, the city or like that was really cool too yeah. I, maybe that was the one yeah it was the one where it was panning over the city and then and just like in the corner you can see his mouth in the corner yeah. like, yeah. what's going on part right of there? his face and then it after it pans across the city it pans up and then out of the I don't even know how they did that that was incredible what were some of your favorite things or moments or scenes or characters in this film because well, characters were pretty limited, right? There was like six. There was totally. like yeah. six. But Charles, this is your first time seeing it too, right? Yes. Oh. Yes. So I had not seen it. I didn't even know what it was before. It was a little weird for me to see the main actor. What's his name? Killian Murphy. Yes. Weird to see him as a good guy because <laughs> I've only ever seen him as Dr. Crane from Batman Begins. <laughs> yeah, so I had only seen him as that kind of like silent weirdo. Wasn't he an Inception too? Was he bad at that? Yeah, but he was, was also a silent weirdo like in that the, one, too. The, the plane bad. guy, right? Yeah. yeah, he was the guy that they needed to incept. So, common villain. So maybe that's just him. But So it was, it was odd to identify him with him, but at the same time it was like, no, that's the world. Is totally epitomized by this dude. Some of the things that I really loved was that this film didn't like force stuff down your throat. Eventually they explained why he was in the hospital and stuff, but at first, you don't need to know. Like, he just wakes up and he's confused and scared. He's like, standing in for the audience. Exactly, yeah. There was just several things like that where they could have explained it. Or like the part where he kills the teenage boy. It was like, okay, you don't have to have a conversation about that. Like, you can see how much that affected him. You can see how that affects the plot. He doesn't need to go up to Selena and say, Oh my god, I just killed a child. You know, like... (laughs) 
so I, I thought the filmmaking was incredibly intelligent. Yeah. And I just, I really like the idea. Oh, the other thing, the other thing that doesn't force feed you is the whole zombie thing. Yeah. Because, like, it is a zombie movie, right? But, like, it's not... It's not a zombie movie, It doesn't right? have to dive into the, like, they die, then they come back, then they're unbeatable, and you have to kill them in the head, and all this stuff that comes along with zombies. It was just, like, they are infected to be zombie device. monsters. Yeah, it's not a zombie movie in the sense that it's about the zombies. Mm-hmm. They're just the backdrop for the story. Yeah. 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 And there's sort of this like passive enemy where they're not really aggressively seeking out our main it's not like brain the FBI yeah. you know it's like sure, they're they're just sort of, they're, it's them. just sort of like you might run into one and then it'll be like <laughs> right. or whatever but like otherwise it's just like you're sort of good. You could they, say they were a type of MacGuffin for the film. <laughs> <laughs> wow how intelligent we are. Oh. I think they were called infected not MacGuffins but <laughs> <laughs> Oh no I'm MacGuffins! <laughs> Come on, Hannah. Your father's a MacGuffin now. (laughs) As if it wasn't the whole movie. Aside from Shaun of the Dead, probably the coolest zombie movie I've seen. Because I love Shaun of the Dead. So did yeah. you have like a... Because we're going to go straight into like the favorite scenes or moments. Did you have a favorite moment or a character or... Boy. Um, so my favorite part of the film was the, the back half where they're already at the house with the army guys. Mm-hmm. For me, the whole beginning part was kind of like plodding along in a very same way that the characters are plodding along. So like it worked. But I really enjoyed the character interactions between um, Christopher Eccleston and the other characters and the other soldiers and like because to me that's the most interesting part of a zombie movie is like the zombies are just pressure and you apply that pressure to people like The Walking Dead you know it's not about the zombies it's about the people and it's about how they survive and what choices they have to make and what who they become when they're faced with extinction I loved seeing that and I I liked that right off the bat you could kind of tell something was up with the army guys but then you didn't really know and you're like well maybe it'll kind of work out yeah like there's this weird sense that decorum has been lost. It feels weird but at the same time it's like well maybe it's okay. Maybe this is gonna be what they do now. And then when Chris Eccleston talks about how finding the kid, one of his soldiers with a gun in his mouth and like he didn't see the point of going on until he could instill in them some belief that like humanity could be saved by finding women and repopulating. It was like no that that would happen. That's not like a reach. That would happen. People would lose their minds. We are talking about 28 days later obviously that's a month that's a long time and those guys were probably on the forefront of the infection when it happened because they were military so like who's to say that they haven't been dealing with this for 28 full days yeah because mm-hmm. it's like he's evil but not in like the Machiavellian mu- mus- mustache twi- uh, twirling way no. but it's the evilness comes from the circumstance not necessarily the character well and you know I have this argument with people a lot is evil is this point of view you know yeah. it's it's he's evil from the perspective of newcomers but from the perspective of his men and from the circumstance yeah the, like the global perspective yeah. maybe he's making a correct choice and he's having to make sacrifices yeah, along the way it's I say evil because he's basically offering up women to be nothing more than in some ways cattle sure but at the same time when you're talking about repopulating the earth 
Earth, he's still on the right path. So I wouldn't say that if we encountered him in a normal situation, I wouldn't call him evil. I think it's just that he's had to make choices that aren't necessarily good. And we're coming at it from the perspective of an audience where I'm going to walk outside this movie and everything's going to be honky-dory and his actions would be considered bad. But in that circumstance, you can't really fault him for making that choice. I would still argue that, like, he's kind of a bad egg. Not evil, necessarily, but, like, there's this moment where, like, they first arrive and they're having dinner and he immediately looks at the women and is like, can you guys cook? Because we really need good cooks in here. He doesn't ask everybody, including the main guy. He asks the women. It shows how he feels about women, even aside from like, for the better of the world, like we need to repopulate. Like he has this view that's like not okay. So there's a subtle misogyny throughout the movie. Yeah, exactly. The soldier who's um, the cook, like he's wearing the frilly apron. Everyone Mm -hmm. looks down on him. It's like this soldier is the lowest because he's doing the women's work. And like Mm -hmm. they're soldiers, right? So like, and they're all very chummy and they're all very um, close. And so, like, you can kind of write that off as, like, the playfulness that is required to keep your sanity in such a horrible situation. But even in the scenes with Frank, where they go to his apartment and he, you know, saves them from the guy in the high rise, there are a couple of scenes of subtle, like, he addresses Jim first and only most of the time shakes his hand and then like says oh and who are you people as you know uh, who who are you this woman but so it's like there are even a little bit of not necessarily misogyny but just like an unawareness of and and i mean like this film is older right so like that's weird to say actually i I don't think i don't think i I think it's intentional yeah I, i i was gonna agree with kelly where i feel like the soldiers are a little more like yeah, must actually be evil because I feel like the idea of like repopulating humanity is so much bigger. They're not even well. Maybe by now it's like maybe thirty-two days later or something. Right, right. But like right now we're just trying to like stop the wound basically. Yeah. And, like, One thing at a time. Do- yeah, like- it's like they're just trying to like stay alive. And I just feel like it's so irresponsible to be like, okay, let's think about like repopulating, which is like not a fast thing. Like. Is he intending for them to be, like, caring for these babies in this house while these infected are, well, you know, leaping the, the wall? Thing. You and don't have a cure just, yet. Why do you want to repopulate when they're all just going to get turned and die anyway? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, I just feel like his plan, if he wasn't, like, this mustache evil guy, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. like, we have to be, like, a little more larger and scared. Scope. If if you are trying to like save humanity, it can't just be like in your compound because that's like a cult almost. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, there's yeah. definitely a cult like aspect. Look at the one soldier, the sergeant, who still holds some idea of military decorum. It is the one that the Christopher Alkinson's character basically talks down to, and they eventually lock him up and take him out to shoot him. And I felt like all the soldiers were like the worst soldiers. And I was trying to think yeah. of like because it's always bugged me. It just seems like they're so like shitty as people, and I feel yeah. like. A soldier would be like that's what they're trained to do is to like handle this like heavy duty thing and but they're just like basically frat guys yeah and it's like i wonder i was like what's their backstory it's like have they all been this team maybe, before maybe they're only like, basic training and that's it or like or yeah it's like are they all like like people, are they army they reserves des- or did they desert their like yeah are they like the worst from like different teams yeah. who somehow like because 
and also they and were survived. in Manchester, I and I, I don't know the geography of England that well, but were they? I don't think they were the frontline troops. I think they just happened to. Well, what is a front line when you're dealing with an epidemic? Yeah, is yeah. the problem everywhere that well, has I, I mean, the sense that they were probably were because you get the sense that the sergeant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah certainly Cambridge, were. but you get the sense that the sergeant actually has military experience, and the rest of them kind of don't. The thing about being in the military is, like, anyone can join. Now, who makes it, you don't know. Yeah. But, like, it could be that these people were, like you guys said, new recruits or they were reserves, maybe. And so maybe they didn't have as much training or as much conditioning as a normal soldier would. Because they don't act like soldiers, yeah, they right? Don't. They, don't, they don't act and like that's, that. And that's one of the things I've noticed the many times I watch it is this idea that they might be soldiers and that they're dressed like it, but they're more plain soldier than actually soldier sure. by this point. Because there was that blockade or whatever that they had. I yeah. don't know if that's like a thing that's built before, if it's like a check your vegetables things <laughs> where it's like people are are have to stop in their cars. But I wasn't sure, you know, that's like where they're based. I'm wondering if mm-hmm. that's where they came from, if they're not really military, if right. they're more kind of... Mm, or like even if they are military, they aren't sure. necessarily the person you're going to send in to combat this directly. Sure. And so you have people who probably weren't really ever in a combat situation having to deal with the zombie apocalypse. I thought it was very interesting that, like, Selena sort of falls in love with Jim, especially after saying, like, what do you expect me to fucking fall in love with you and then we'll just fuck and then it'll be fine? Yeah. But, like, because it's implied that she spent some time with that other guy beforehand. She didn't fall in love with him. That's something to think about is that something actually happened um, between the two of them, I guess. Well, it's not just that something happened between the two of them. Look at Jim. Jim is a guy who had no idea there's still some humanity left in him because he didn't deal with 30 days of zombie apocalypse. So you have this other guy she's with who's in the same boat she's been, which seen this horrific destruction. Mm-hmm. and collapse of civilization, he's going to be have just as bleak of an outlook on life as she does, whereas Jim still kind of sees the good in people until, well, the end. And he still is kind of just like, I'm not sure I can just kill someone needlessly. I mean, he eventually has to, and he eventually does, but when she first encounters him, he hasn't been doing with the world she has. So yeah. it's, she's starting to become more human again, rather than completely emotionally locked down mm-hmm. because she doesn't have to sit there and She's starting to think about Jim beyond this is a person who I need to survive and this is, oh, this is a person who has an, I have an emotional attachment to. Yeah. See, I, if all the military just left them alone, they would have started repopulating. They just wanted to get some. That's all it was. Like, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, yeah that's, that's literally, literally all it was. Yeah, yeah. The soldiers want to get their dicks wet. But yeah. Like, I feel like Jim, he comes into the movie as we do and I, you know, he sort of is not a strong character in that he's like, he's not like making decisions. He's very kind of passive and just like goes along with it because I I think just because he's the audience. And so like everyone else knows what's going on except him and therefore us. Um, So like the whole time he's just sort of basically being what a person should be Mm -hmm. or like kind of having the values of the audience living in regular world no zombies and like everyone else is sort of acting crazy because they've all had this experience but yeah i think i I agree with you where it's like selena sort of likes 
him, you know, because he sort of doesn't have that same outlook on life, that kind of survival at any cost exact outlook that she does or she claims to have at the beginning. Yeah. It's not fair because between me and James, there's what, 30 pages of paper from college uh, that we wrote on I, this? I'm not going to brag about who wrote more pages or anything like Other that. Other than the fact it was you, right? I, I, I wasn't going to say anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was something I wrote about was the idea that is, I actually think that this is an amazing look at the idea of archetype. And I argued that Selena was an archetypal sword, soldier. And so her encounter with Jim was what brought her back from back to humanity all this time she's had she's had to cut off of her emotions in order to survive and jim is the first time that she's been allowed to because they are safe with frank and then they're out of the city and they're kind of in a safe space she's allowing the walls to kind of come down and it's probably that that saves her because if she didn't have that level of compassion, she wouldn't have tried so hard to save Hannah from the horrible fate that was yeah. to come to them. Yeah. You know, I mean, she made a big deal. Like, she was like, no, not the girl, trying to help her, like, give her drugs so that she wouldn't have to experience yeah. that without I, being I, sedated, practically, you know? I love her character because she's always working to survive even when the walls have come down and she's allowing herself to connect to others again she's still a fighter and in a lot of movies like this you would immediately oh they're now with the soldiers and the soldiers treat her like the archetypal woman in a horror film where it's like oh you've been kept alive by your male companion without them realizing no actually he was kept alive by her yeah and so it gets to the point where she's always fighting like she's going to drug hannah to make sure that she gets through what is essentially going to be rape without ever actually really feeling anything and it gets to the point where they have to keep someone on her with a gun because if they don't she will fight back she's like she's a better Yeah, so the one time she is not the fighter in this movie and Jim is the fighter, it's because they're literally holding a gun to her. She always has a sense of agency in this film. And this is kind of going to one of my favorite parts of the film is that she's always a fighter but like at the very end when Jim is sort of running around like letting the zombies loose like there's very little difference between what they're doing and what he's doing. Well Um, they even shoot him in a way to where he's shot like the infected. Exactly. Glimpses of him he's he's cut off from the he's only seen him part of the frame they they basically shot him as if he was infected. I don't think that Selena would kind of go on rampage like that Mm -mm. but I mean he's sort of trying to rescue them so I suppose that sort of gives him this moral authority to be able to yeah. kill people because like oh but they were going to be shitty and they were going to rape them and well stuff. I remember arguing that if Selena was the archetypal soldier he was uh, Jim was actually the mom uh, in the sense that he doesn't really take any aggressive violent action until his family, and that's Hannah and Selena, is under threat. And I argue that he, it was the equivalent of, like, Not My Daughter, You Bitch with Mrs. Weasley, yeah. or Ripley and Aliens with Newt, mm-hmm. where the moment something that he holds dear, dear is threatened, he goes into an aggressive mode, and even then, he still doesn't go super macho soldier on a killing rampage he's very I mean he's everything he's doing is to get to them he's not necessarily going out for blood I, feel I, like, I disagree with that I think yeah. that he he's being tactical he's has no weapons 
He has to storm a building that has at least six or seven armed guards yeah. and rescue two non-combatants. Like, he's doing everything he's doing, like, releasing the zombies, and, like, he goes all out yeah, because it's what he has to do. My he fights thing, the same... He fights in a kind of a... I don't primal. Know, fair, primal way, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like... I think that's the whole point of the movie, is that it's like, he is you, he is the audience, you... And that rage that these it's within you. Have, That's one of the ideas of exactly. the film. It's is that not? It's not like some outside thing. It's just like because I feel like when we at the very beginning when we see the the chimpanzees, like they're just they're not really being like pumped full of some sort of chemical. Oh, I mean, we don't really see what right. has happened, but it's, it seems like it's just like them watching these kind of horrible things on TVs and sort of, like, finding something that's within them. I think you hit on something really important there. It's like, this is not some bacteria from space. This is not some engineered chemical in this universe. It's It's, us. It's us. It's, It's the deepest, most primal feelings, and the fact that this is coming from apes is particularly relevant, you know? When that mirroring comes up when he's you know they do the shots of his hand on the glass and like his face and the lightning and the through the um, window and like you can't tell whether or not he's infected or not and obviously selena can't either that that is to me saying like this is like he's not been infected by this magical virus but like he has been broken we're all infected yeah exactly we all have that Uh, within us least favorite parts well kelly did you oh yes i liked the part where they're at the grocery store (laughs) i i really like that part um because a little break in the movie there's a lot of little breaks um but like what i really like about it because they do that in like a lot of zombie films, they always have, like, these moments that are supposed to be, like, really normal. The fact that, like, they're picking out the drinks to have, and they're, like, giggling and, like, spinning around with the cart. That's really cool. Like, I think that's really fun. Like, where Frank goes off on the... Oh, don't, don't, don't go, don't get... Don't waste your time on this crap. You gotta get the really good single malt mulch. But then he takes, like, four of them. But then, like, I like that he, like, leaves the credit card at the end and stuff. Like, I don't know, just the whole scene is, like, very well done. And it just, it's a nice little break, but it's also, like, funny, which is kind of interesting for this I really expected zombies to ruin that scene. I did, too, and they didn't. And I was was really glad that they didn't. Same. And then they load up the car, and, like, they can't even close the trunk because of how much food that they got. Like, it's... And, like, you would have thought that they just won the lottery with how happy they are having all that food and like having like canned fruit like it's, yeah. it's very cool yeah i think they needed that scene to not be interrupted as much as the typical movie our typical horror movie would have done that i think this movie it takes a lot of the horror archetype and trope and kind of plays with them in a way just to make a stronger story because it has the elements that you would see in some horror films i think like that moment you needed to show them as a family so if it had been interrupted we wouldn't have had that strong emotional connection that we needed to establish between jim and selena and selena and everyone yeah Yeah. and i think the film is self-aware you know it knows like the scene where they have to change the tire in the tunnel and he's like this is a bad idea this is classic getting jumped by zombies area like it does have the moments that you consider typical but it never is done in a way that you would be like oh this is like every other horror movie sure Mm -hmm. makes me wonder what they were doing to those chimps like what was the point like were they actually trying to make super chimps in order to cure you have to understand Oh yeah. yeah! Didn't he say something about like they had that? No, that was the line. That was right? the, that's yeah, the, the line. line. In order to cure you, need to understand. So I mean, they're doing. But I, 
I felt like their testing facility was like a little Blade Runner. Like, why are there like puddles on the floor? Clearly, this like is a, a, a test facility it's, in the basement. It's like, pretty dark. It's not like some regular. This isn't. This facility. isn't a college. <laughs> this is obviously not actually sanctioned. That's the only vision we ever get of what a lab looks like. Well, or like what right now looks like. Right. What the real world looks like, and it's almost worse. Than anything we ever see. That's in the a rest good point. I really loved the beginning as soon as he wakes up when he's wandering around the world and there's nobody. I loved that almost more. Like when zombies came out, I was like, oh, okay, it's a zombie movie, got it. But like there was a moment where I was like, what if this is a really cool movie about the being the war- last, man, being on- the last <laughs> man on earth? Yeah. Right. Or not even the last man on earth, but just like everyone is mysteriously vanished and like there's no cars anywhere and just like there's evidence of struggle somewhere, but for the most Part, like the just, newspaper, the evacuation, or or just like the broken vending machine and yeah. crap like that. But like, so there was a part of me that was like, oh, this is scary. Talking about tropes, that's such a trope as well. Being the last man on earth, being mm. the last, you know, everything has disappeared and you're just there alone. But this film really conveyed the, the horror of that, of waking up literally naked, plugged into machines, not knowing what's happening, and trying to find some rhyme or reason for your state of affairs. And so I, that part I, I just loved. Mm-hmm. And I love you know, how long it takes yeah. before we, like, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't really ever, we don't really see, I mean, the beginning is sort of like, like a cold open sort of thing. And I feel like the movie kind of starts with him in the hospital. And the amount of time that passes, it's somewhat tense. But, like, the longer it goes, the less kind of... I guess the tension builds because you're like, something's going to happen soon. Sure. It's silent. Like, there's no sound. Like, it's It's, so well done. I really appreciate that we got to see full frontal male nudity in this movie. And not women. Yeah, there's no female nudity. The most you get is... You see, like, the zombies. There's, like, one naked zombie. There was one naked zombie, zombie, but but it's, it's hard. But you only see Selena without her shirt, and she's still wearing her bra. Whereas we've seen all of Killian Murphy. Yeah, from front and back, which yeah. is nice. All yeah. around. All around. The, th- the the whole, you know, the 20-minute sequence where he's just turning around on a lazy <laughs> Susan, just <laughs> naked. So, least favorite things? Okay. It's tough. I wasn't a huge fan of the second ending. It's tacked on, right? The second 28 Days Later. Yeah, yeah I mean... If you watch the DVD extras, there's a couple different endings, and most of them, it's them going to the hospital, and Jim dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. and, and they both leave the hospital in their dresses, off to That's face the world nice. on their own. I thought when they did that freeze frame from the car crash, I, that was I was like, it. "That's the last scene of the movie, right there." Yeah, and it wasn't, and I was like, "Oh well, it could have been. It should have been." And I know this isn't in the production code, but it's very production code to have it be like. Everyone is fine. The and good they go to live in a house in the country. Yes. And like uh, it was a test audience ending type thing. I think that's what happened. Is I think the studio mandated they do a different ending. Well, the test audience apparently they saw them leave the hospital and they thought the test audience thought they're heading to certain death. Whereas like the director's intent was like they're capable, they can face this on their own, which is kind of misogynist on the audience's part. Yeah. So shame yeah. on you, audience. But yeah, apparently in like those airplane flyovers you don't see Jim because he like that was the ending without Jim oh Ah. okay so they tacked Jim on to that scene where they're like sewing the dress up to make the big O so yeah I mean we'd have to look at it again I don't know if they ever appear in the same shot together Mm. I don't know I I, I like the ending because it sort of is like I like it when it sort of gets resolved. Yeah. I understand why, you know, it's good to not have it all the time, but sometimes it's just like, it makes the movie not like a Pan's Labyrinth bleak 
Yeah. Where it's sort of like, just give me like a little bit of like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but again, that's just me being... Well, and for the, the kind of movie that this is, it's it has its dark moments, but like it really like puts in a lot of lightheartedness with it too. I mean, there's all those shots of them like driving along in the car and it's like so bright and colorful and the world's like in the apocalypse. To have like this kind of happy ending is not like an unexpected thing for this type no. of film. Like it, it kind of fits. I mean, I would argue kind of the same thing. I thought it was over and then I was like, oh, that was kind of a weird quick ending but like I still kind of am happy that it was a happy ending yeah I I think it just comes down to personal preference I could have taken it right then and there or uh, ended it with him waking up again in the hospital which was a nice mirroring for the start of the film and the end of the film so here's the question is did anyone actually have a moment that they would consider either the least favorite or something they didn't like about the film there was a couple of times when I read into it something that like when they had the one dude who was a zombie at the army house and it was a black guy and he was chained up and like I'm not saying that that was Danny Boyle's intent I'm sure it wasn't but It'd be nice if it, it was an image guy. that evoked feelings in me that made me go, I really wish that was I had that not too. a black guy. But what if, I mean, again, what if that's a reflection more on the culture or the, oh, you sure. That yeah, it's, like, it's, it's not, because it's like, again, we felt, I feel like overall, like the director, Dan Boy, was like fairly intelligent about like deciding when to, you know, I think it's my thing. Like earlier. this woman's role type. Yeah. stuff in to be like he'd probably do the same thing with race yeah I think that was intentional because yeah. it is it's kind of uncomfortable because the audience would immediately look at that and be like it's a why is it the black yeah. character the, the black white guy has chained up a black man yeah like, and it's yeah. I think it's supposed to be a kind of a hint to the about the character and a statement on race in general that mm-hmm. there is there is in some films this Eve trope this one is having the race trope show up at the very end. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think it's making a statement on it. That's smart, and it evoked the correct emotions, but it, I, it made me, like, eh, maybe... Yeah. I have frickle, a question you know? for you. I kind of felt a similar way at the very end of the film, where it's like... Jim wakes up late to oh, go and she's, find she's the women the working machine. on a sewing project. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Is again, I don't know if <laughs> you know it's one of the things where it's like, is it intentional in like a good way or accidentally in a bad way? I yeah. think I think that one is intended to create a spirit of normalcy. Like, it's like things are back to like normal. Things are back to People normal. are doing the, what they should be doing. In the little cottage at, out in the Scottish but, like yeah. hillside. Also, it's not like she's making clothes or a dress. She's making the thing to that's going to help rescue but them. But we don't know that until they unfurl the oak. We don't, yeah. I, I didn't get the sense that he was helping at all. I mean, Same. It's like, yeah, it, was sleeping. he up late working on it? I don't know. He see, he oversleeps a lot. Times yeah. in the he's movie. just like yeah, he's a big sleeper. My whole thing, because I know a lot of people. Because remember in college, that was a scene that a lot of people pointed out as like, oh, she's falling into like the women's role thing. I'm like, no, she's still she's sewing to save themselves. She's but like doing something that needs to be done so that they can actually keep. You could have had Jim do that, but they chose to make it her. But I also I feel like it's important to not say like. A woman can't cook. A woman can't sew because, like, in media, I feel like a lot of times working in commercials, like, you're sort of picking, you're always picking, like, what's some sort of, like, this is not a black person, not a white person, like, some kind of in the middle. It's like, because it's like, you have to be, you're being very cautious because it's all... 
people are going to read into everything. Read into everything. And I'm just sort of wondering, like, is it too, is it dangerous to say in media, like, oh, we can't have, like, to be kind of hyper-progressive mm. and be like, oh, a woman can't stay at home in a film. She has to be, like, equ- I mean, I'm not saying it has to be this way, but I'm just wondering, like, is it sort of going too far to to sort of feel offended when... It, what if it just happened to be a black guy chained up? Yeah. yeah. You know, or what if it just happened to be her sewing at the time? It just seems like we're being kind of very cautious when it comes to these sensitive issues. And I wonder if, I, is I, that healthy or is it better to sort of... I think it's because they've just been done for so, so long. Like, I can't tell you, because we have we have cable. Every cleaning commercial, every home commercial is a woman. Like, it's, it's very frustrating. And I'm just like, why do you do that? So even though it's like her sewing, it could have been any one of the three of them sewing, it's always the woman sewing. Mm-hmm. It is always the woman. Like, 99.9% of the time. That's why you notice it, and you're like, it would have been nice to have Jim sewing it. Like, it's not a huge deal... But it's just that, like, you know, as a woman, I notice that stuff all the time. I'm like, every single trope, it's like, you're not changing it. And it's like, you don't have to intentionally change it every time, but, like, it would be nice sometimes. There's a difference between wanting Jim to be the one sewing and not wanting her to be the one sewing, right? Yeah. Because, like, I think it would have felt weird if she woke up late and we followed her perspective and Jim's out there sewing. That's true. So that's her character is like... She's the one who would be up early yes. working on whatever has to be yes. and whatever, right. And that's why I and said it had like, to be her is because... Sleeps in and gets honked awake. Yeah. You know? Like, that's why I said that it had to be her back in, when we... Because this is a discussion that well, we had this, in class. Well, this sewing scene didn't have to be in the movie. Right? right, they could have made a scene where she's they're there. out in the field together already setting up the sign or something. Like, yeah, the sewing the. I mean, and like, and it it's a good scene because it it shows that they're doing work to progress their situation. Right, mm-hmm. they the guy Jim was laying down. He saw that plane, so he knows that there's planes, and so he's like, you know what? Let's set up this hello so that. I don't know why they didn't just write help, but whatever. SOS. But they have that ability to kind of better their situation, but they did it in such a way that makes it feel kind of 1950s homemakery. Because remember, he he wakes up and he says, oh, now the curtains are gone or something like that. He He complains somewhat about fabric being removed and now the sun is shining in yeah but the thing too is as much as the big thing is everyone's like oh she's in front of the sewing machine we immediately assume when you see her at the sewing machine that she's doing the traditional woman's work because you see the red fabric from the dress your thought is oh maybe is she like refixing the dress or whatever no she's making something to save them Mm -hmm. to where if I'm not sure what else they could have had her do. Is it just? And this is, I think, (laughs) yeah, I think this is one of those cases where I wouldn't shock me at all if the filmmakers all sat down and go, "What can we have her do to be making the sign that isn't her at a sewing machine?" And they couldn't think of something that was a satisfactory answer. I suppose it's empowering that she is using the her kind of dress, yeah. which was sort of a prison outfit in for a her. way yeah. for her, and that's she's very sort of cool. Able to decommission that and turn it into something because that's like not at all what that. Given is. how this film plays with tropes, I think this is another example of it's playing with the trope, and we're reading into it because that's traditionally how it would have been read, and it's instead making a comment on the fact that traditionally the woman would be at the sewing machine. Well, I think the other factor is that, you know, we're not... 
we are analyzing this movie from an analytical perspective, right? We are looking at it and saying, how did this work? How did this work? Was this successful? Did, was this, did this make us feel the way that we think that the filmmaker wanted us to feel? Not everybody does that with movies. And of course, that's what we're talking about in this podcast. But there are going to be people who watched that and went, ah, okay, good. She's being a woman again. She's opened up. She's fallen in love. And now she's back to what a woman should be. And like, maybe, like, I disagree with that, obviously, and I'm sure we all do. But to some people, that was the norm. Mm -hmm. And that is the norm. So I think that even if it's done in order to make the trope more obvious, to be like, see how stupid this is, it still perpetuates that thought in people who are not smart enough to analyze it. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's put in the film as, like, a watermark for... Some people just be like, even if the filmmakers are not like, this is not how we particularly feel about it. It's just like, in case, if or since most people feel like women's role, blah, 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 we should make that what normal is so that it's understandable by the audience. Maybe. Maybe it didn't even go back that. Maybe it didn't wasn't that intentional. And I'm not saying it shouldn't have been in the movie because it was a successful scene. I, it conveyed story. It progressed character arcs. Like, we got to see Hannah mentally alive. You know, she wasn't beaten down by this experience because the last time we left her, she was literally drugged and dealing with the death of her father. So, like, she's moved on. Jim has moved on. We get to see things that are important. But, I don't know, maybe I'm just bitching, you know? Because, <laughs> like... The scene was good, and yeah, I had some problems with it, but as you bring up, Logan, like, the things that we are contemplating as the problems of the scene appear very intentional. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, I know Danny Boyle's work. I have a hard time believing that he was like, this is what women should do. Because I don't think that he would say that, and I don't think that that's what the movie was trying to convey. One of the reasons I feel that way is that if, because I look at, her character as a soldier we wouldn't sit there and judge that soldier as being less of a man if he was at the sewing machine making something that was going to help him get rescued no. so why would we look less of her because she's at the sewing machine although specifically well, in this film we had a soldier doing a sewing machine type task or, or yeah thinking, but he was being looked down upon by, by the bad, the bad guys, guy yeah. And whenever people ascribe the idea of the sewing machine, oh, it's putting her, in, it's putting her down. It's like, no, I think you completely missed a lot of the point of this film. Well, I think the reason that you say like if it was a man sitting there sewing machine, we wouldn't immediately ascribe the homemaker aspect yeah. to it. Yeah, and her character. The reason never that had we that. do is because she has been forced into this feminine role. Mm-hmm. I mean. She was almost raped because she was a woman. Mm -hmm. And she was immediately objectified when going into those bad guys' bases. And, like, obviously they're the bad guys, right? Like, we are meant to find their behavior abhorrent. But she, whether she's a soldier or not, because she acts very much like a soldier, I agree. She, Mm -hmm. She has the archetype of a soldier. But she was forced to be thought of as a woman as soon as those soldiers thought of her as a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the audience is going to go, even if before, you know, they're just seeing her as a total peer with no femininity or whatever, not that she can't have it. At that point, they're forced to deal with the idea that she is not just like the icon of a woman but also like has fragility as any human does and so that i think is why we think of this 
sewing machine scene in that way. Because if it wasn't like if, if if you didn't have any of the rape threat or and you didn't have any of the the soldiers kind of leering at them to repopulate the earth, I don't think we would even see her that way. And it would totally feel like, oh, what's she doing at the sewing machine? That's really unusual for her. Or like, oh, she must yeah. be making something to help them out or whatever. And we would have thought of that immediately. But it's because the way that they approached it and they showed the audience how to view her it made that back scene make you think about it more yeah because she had the history in the film but i think the thing a lot of the thing this film is trying to say is you shouldn't look because it is playing with trope i would say that the analysis you should take on that scene is to look at how the soldiers completely misread her because they immediately put her in that woman's role Mm -hmm. so we'd be misreading her for putting her in that woman's role when she's she's at the sewing machine so we as the audience are at the same time making the same wrong assumption that the soldiers did when they first met her i think that interpretation requires you to ignore so much else of the film to say oh she's the traditional woman because she's at the sewing machine I won't deny, because so many people I've met have had the same thing, that I think this is one of the few moments in the film where the director wasn't 100% successful. Again, just to reiterate, I'm not saying that she is, and I'm not saying that the filmmaker tried to make her that. I agree that there's a lot of trope play, and that that's probably what that was about, was like, see how on its head this is. See how you thought it was this, but really it was that. But the fact that the first reaction the audience has is that is interesting and is something to be contemplated because i think in this regard it's also going back to with the black soldier chained up is i don't think it's necessarily a commentary on the characters or the film as much as a commentary of the audience that why are we as members of the audience coming to that conclusion or why are we as members of the audience immediately drawn to that conclusion so listen to us sitting here going back and forth about whether she's allowed to be a woman or not. How, Kelly, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I can tell you one thing I don't like, even though I know it was intentional, is that Selena was really badass at the beginning of the movie. And I get that she was like regaining her humanity and whatever. I really don't like that she fell in love. And I really don't like that the guy had to come save her. I get that she still was winning her own battles, getting the men out of the room so that she could give Hannah the drug. And so like, that is a very brave and like noble thing to do. But like, what happened? Because in the beginning, she just like butchered a man for like maybe turning. She didn't even know for sure. And she butchered him. And like, I get that she's supposed to regain this humanity, but like, even with a gun, like with armed men, I feel like she should have tried to do something. Like the fact that she just kind of got dragged around the whole back half of the movie and then he had to come save her. I was not on board with it. I know that a lot of the discussion has been like how we think it's very cool that there's these tropes being played, but like, I'm just not super on board with it. The reason that it's a trope is because it's been done for the last hundred years. Like, I don't need to see it continued. And like the minute Jim was removed and they were in this house and she was literally just getting dragged around by men, I was like, this is really lame. Like, I don't really like this. Mm. Like, you know, like I said, I get that it's intentional. I'm not saying that it's like Danny Boyle doing something that is misogynistic or anything. Like, I, I get that he's not. I just personally don't care for it. Sure. The the reiteration of the trope, even to make awareness of the trope, still perpetuates that kind yeah, of idea. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. Like, I... I want to see her hold her own in a moment. And, like, she doesn't need to fall in love with him. And, like, even if he saved her at the end or whatever, she didn't need to fall in love with him. Like, it was very weird and unnecessary. And, like, I didn't need it, you know? Like, they could be really good friends by the end of it. And, like, she can regain her humanity that way. Mm. But it's such a, like, an overused thing that, like, 
she would fall in love with him and he would come to the rescue and they'd live happily ever after. Like, it's just, it's overdone for me. But otherwise, I love the movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. And she's a great character. I just feel like that back half, I'm like, what did you do? Like, no, it could have been way cooler. But that's just me. Like, I don't think it needs the romance angle, but again, because I look at her as a soldier, Jim is playing the female role in the sense that he's the one rehabilitating the soldier to where it would be like if the soldier had come home Right. And he's broken, and oh, the plucky girl saves him. It's that trope, not necessarily the whore trope. And because my thing is, is I I get where you, your angle on that thing, mm. but she still she gets control of the room and is able to get all the guys out. She immediately goes to try to help Hannah. Even when she is tossed around, she never really stops fighting. She's just in a situation where even if it was a guy in there. Um, a male character in there surrounded by four armed people and they have no weapon we wouldn't be sitting there going oh that person's less of a man or anything like that we would have sit there and say oh look at him still try to fight and survive and I think that's what Danny Boyle was trying to say there is yeah we would sit there and be like oh the woman is always helpless but in this case she's still trying to fight in her own way with whatever tools she has and the moment she gets her weapon again the the machete she wields it again and his only reason why she's hesitant to fight is she's not entirely sure what's going on and she only stops because she realizes she knows who the, who the right. possible infected like, is. I get that like, that's the intent. I just don't enjoy watching that because yeah. like, I don't need more movies like that. There are a million of them. I would rather watch a movie where like she's stuck in the room and then she elbows the guy in the face and like grabs the gun and takes control of the situation. I'm like, that's really dope. Like That's really cool. Yeah. I don't need her to sit around and like be like, well... I don't have a moment to fight back. I guess I'll just wait for Jim to come rescue me. I get the intent and the writing for the character. Like, I totally get it. I just don't particularly enjoy seeing it well, again. It, it could just be that I think Logan's point is that Danny Boyle is trying to make people aware of how bad these tropes are and how bad they were. Sure. That's fine. You are already aware of that. Yeah. And so I think that's why it doesn't make you... It's not a revelation for you. No. But maybe for some people it would be. It would be like, wow, you know what? I never realized how much our movies kind of shit on women. I feel it. And we do see Jim almost in the same situation where, like, gun to his back, forced to, like, walk out to the place where Mm -hmm. they're going to shoot him. I mean, it's sort of... It's different because there isn't, like, this kind of sexual tone to it. But he also... He doesn't really fight back. He just gets lucky. He gets real lucky. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's, I think, the big difference is Jim. Cook guy, right? Yeah, Jim never really fights back when he gets cornered. He is goes along with it, and by luck, he escapes. Mm. And Selena never stops fighting. It's it's also it's not fair that because literally we're diving right into one of my points in a paper. Like, yeah, I you, think I spent like done... I think I spent like three paragraphs on that goddamn suing scene. So you've you've done the research on this, and yeah. obviously we're just talking about initial reactions and yeah. how we feel. It's it's um, not, and nobody's point is invalid. Yeah, that's the thing is we all have different opinions because we're all different people, and Absolutely. everyone who's listening to this and who has viewed the the movie. You're also going to have an opinion, and you're going to think, "Well, just, Kelly's I'm, dumb. Logan's correct, or Charles is dumb. Or Kelly is correct. You know, any of those." Logan are is all... just. I'm just not fighting fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was that is 28 days later. I think yeah. we covered a lot of. I it. think we have. Like, I think if we went any longer, we'd go absolutely nuts. But final thoughts, because we haven't really gone into a final thought. Do you? How do you think this film holds up? I mean, I still because the first time I watched it was shortly after it. Had, come out on sci-fi i watched on tv so i didn't see it in theaters or anything but um i, I mean i liked it just the same i um i got more out of it this viewing because this is post 
art school and stuff, so a different brain for viewing it. But I, I think it holds up. I still enjoy watching it. I think it's a really fun take on a zombie-type film. I really enjoyed it. Watching it in a world post, like, Walking Dead and, like, where zombies are now everywhere in every medium, like, it's it's still very good. I really enjoyed it. Watching it for the first time, I, I felt like I got a lot out of it. There was The cinematography was incredible. I mean, I expected it to be good because it was Danny Boyle and I like his work, but I didn't expect it to be so um, smart. And so I really liked that it was a smart movie in the way that it didn't try to force ideas down your throat and it didn't try to explain everything so well. Yeah, I loved it. The, yeah. the only thing I can think of that I want, it's not even that I didn't like, it's just that I wanted more of was the infection as a metaphor. I wanted to see a little bit more of that because if you're going to make a zombie movie, the zombies can't yeah, I, just be a passive threat. They have to be representative of something and whether that's that other people people or of an idea or of rage or whatever they they represent something and i wanted to see a little bit more of that we only really got to see that at, the, at we, the kind of the beginning the, the very movie. very beginning and the very very end it's almost like the middle dropped the metaphor mm-hmm. yes yeah i would agree that's with that. i think actually the one flaw i would point out in this film is that metaphor kind of gets dropped and I honestly wonder there's a part of me that wonders if that opening sequence wasn't written because they went oh crap and because at some points I feel like it was almost an addition like it isn't essential to the story of the film that we saw that sure so I sometimes wonder if they didn't realize while in editing oh crap we've lost the metaphor but like I, I agree like this is a very smart film and when people talk to me about horror films I always say I don't like them and then they're shocked when they talk when they hear me talk about how much I really like this film. Heck, there's a reason why I was able to write about it in college. I actually, yeah. I really liked it and I wanted to study it and wanted to know more. It's and a lot one. of, yeah, a lot of it is because there's a lot of intelligence and thought that went into the making of this movie. Everything from the cinematography to the use of trope. It seems like everything was clearly thought out. But to your point, Kelly, I actually do think that if this film was made today, we would not see Selena in the same position in the third act. No, you, you couldn't. This it's, is. De- I think that is definitely part of the time where this film was made. Yeah, it's it's right before this kind of feminist movement really sparked and really moved into what it is now. This is right before all that, so you know, this is the kind of stuff that led into it. So, well, and, and we're always. Because of the nature of the podcast, we're always going to be looking back on things with hindsight 2020. Exactly. And we're always going to be looking at it through the lens of a post 9-11 world. But yeah, so I think that in that lens, this movie was fantastic and was probably revolutionary and incredibly feminist for the time. Really good film. Highly recommend it. Is that our... That's our outro. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to leave your thoughts about the film at www.teambluepost.com slash reaction. If you want to stay ahead of the spoilers, on the next episode, we discuss the late 90s comic book action film, Blade. If you enjoy Lights, Camera, Reaction, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Lights, Camera, Reaction is a podcast by Team Blue Post. You can also check out our other podcast, The Blue Post Podcast, which is available on both iTunes and YouTube. If you always want to be aware of what we're up to, you can always follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blue Post. That's all one word. You can also find out more at our website, www.teambluepost.com.